Welcome to the Fine Sisters Podcast Unspoken Truth, where we shine a light on the beautiful messiness of life. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is Anna and Maria from the Fine Sister team, and we are here today with Susanna Marquez, a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of Wellness Para La Mama. Welcome, Susanna. Gracias, gracias. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> so, Susanna and I met at We All Grow Latina, which is like the biggest influencer summit for Latinas in the country, I think. And it was funny because you came over and you said, Hi. Maria told me that if I see you, I should say hi. And I was like, okay, cool. Hi. <laughs> and then we took a selfie and I said it to Maria. And she was like, oh, you met Susanna. And I'm like, yeah, I yeah. guess I did. <laughs> and now we're sitting here recording a podcast. Right. Thank you so much for Thank joining us. Thank you for us. having me. Yes. I know that was kind of awkward. I know. Because I said, yeah, I spoke to Maria a few weeks ago. <laughs> but she had mentioned you were going to be there. And I said, okay, well, if I see her, because I was hoping to see you. But then I'm like, there's like 500 of us. So yeah. who knows if we'll run into each other. But I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. So today we're going to be talking about um, postpartum depression, relationship, marriage. I think one of the things that I would like to um, to start the conversation with is how um, social media has affected our way that we think relationships look like. Because we see our friends having kids and then there is this beautiful family pictures on Instagram and everyone looks so beautiful and put together and the babies are sleeping peacefully and the house is very clean and then, you know, the parents are snuggling with each other and hugging each other. And so I think a lot of times social media has a very big part in how why relationships became so much harder because we all compare ourselves to this like super artificial picture that is far away from reality. Right. Um, now, is it just my assumption or is parenting and going from not being a parent to being a parent the first time like super challenging for absolutely everyone? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it is a challenge. Imagine, you know, it's just you and your partner and then you bring another human being into the mix. And we don't, it doesn't come with a manual, you know, you're just trying to figure <laughs> out how you're going to do that. And then you're trying to learn what's going to work for your family, what you want to incorporate, what you don't want to do as a mother, and also considering what your partner would like to do or how he plans or he or she plans on being as a parent. What are your expectations, you know, of yourself, <laughs> the family expectations placed on you culturally, socially, social media, you know, really makes us feel like we have to have this filtered life, like everything has to go through a filter. And in order for that picture to be light or for us to feel light, we have to make sure that it's that picture, you know, of the peaceful child and the couple in the background, maybe having a glass of wine or on a date. But no one's really showing the reality of parenting, the late nights, the struggles with getting your kid to sleep or to eat or waking up in the middle of the night, you know, with a teething baby or they've had a diaper blowout and, you know, you're on your way to work and now you have to <laughs> crap all over you literally and you realize, My okay. morning today, TMI. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to my life. <laughs> right? And we don't show that stuff because we're so afraid of being judged. We're so afraid that if we show that reality then that's not going to captivate our audience or that's not going to get us the likes that we're seeking 
or because we're so uncomfortable with that because of how parenting or even relationships are glamorized. You know, if you look at social media, you see a lot of those hashtags of couple goals, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, not necessarily, you know, if you break it down, it's like not every couple you see out there is supposed to be the goals that you're seeking for you and your partner because your partner and you are different. You know, you have to take into consideration those things. What works for you as a couple is not going to work for someone else as a couple. Same thing with motherhood. What you do as a mom isn't always the same thing that another mom is going to do and vice versa. But we're so programmed and conditioned to compare and to say, well, if she tried it, then it must work. So it has to work with my relationship or it has to work with my children. And it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we tweak things. We make changes. And adjusting to parenting is absolutely, I think, a very crucial kind of make it or break it situation for a couple because if you're not, I don't think you're ever ready, but if you're not ready to put in that work for your own relationship as you're also learning how to be a parent, then at some times it does become really easy to say, okay, this isn't working out. Like, you know, let's just have a split or, or something, whatever, you know, is going on with that couple. Yeah, I'm not a mom yet, but I do want to have kids uh, sooner than later. And my thing is, like, how do you prepare as a couple to bring, like, again, change the dynamic, change everything and bring, like, the life and, like, the third person? You know, it is important to have those conversations. And there is such things as classes that prepare you on how parenting would change the dynamic, what things to look out for, just to have some awareness And to have the conversation lets you figure out where your partner's at, what things you're like, okay, we're on the same page. This is good that we're having this conversation. And also at the same time, you hear if you're going to have any differences and you want to kind of maybe hash those things out, maybe whether in therapy or with, um, you know, some people go to church and have like um, a pastor or priest help them with uh, premarital counseling or marriage counseling to help them understand what are some of the things they want to you know, hash out now so that they don't take them into their parenting journey. Um, I always say open up the conversation. If you're in a relationship where you both are openly talking about having kids one day, well, what does that look like for you? You know, not necessarily that that's the way it's going to happen, but what do your parenting styles look like? You know, does does the other person, um, does the other parent believe in corporal punishment? And you don't believe in that, right? Those are things you really want to talk about. Does the other person believe in, okay, well, if you have a child, you can stay home for a certain amount of time and then I'll be the one only working or is it expected that you're going to go back to work right away after having your child? You know, those are things you want to have a conversation about because if they happen and you both are not prepared on that topic, it could get very, very difficult. It could get very chaotic. So I think it's important to open up the discussion and just figure out, look, If we're going to have a child, what would this look like? You know, would I need to go back to work? Would I be working out of the house? Would I just be a stay-at-home mom? You know, how many kids do you want to have? Are you going to be a stay-at-home dad? Exactly. (laughs) Those are are things to consider, too. Absolutely. Because now you are seeing more of of fathers staying home or even taking that parental leave, which I know before, well, we still need to work on that. But they take, you know, a few weeks off. Some men do it. Some men don't. So those are conversations you definitely want to have. So my grandma always used to say that um, if you want to consider having children with a man, look at how he treats his mother 
and how healthy the relationship between and his mother is. Um, and it's going to tell you what kind of husband he will be one day to you once you have children. Now I wonder, <laughs> as um, a therapist that deals with um, couples that have children, how accurate do you think that statement is? Wow, that's a good one. And I have to tell you that in our culture, that stands out a lot because I do have couples who come in and the relationship between that son and his mother has been more of um there's been a lot of coddling. So maybe mama sees her son as like mama's boy and here we are, a 30-something-year-old man, 40-something-year-old man, still expecting a lot of his wife the way mama cared for him, you know? So that puts a dent in the relationship because the wife's like, I'm not your mother, I'm your wife. I have a child to take care of, you're not my child. So those expectations can be um, pretty challenging to navigate sometimes because the husband is thinking, oh, my wife is going to take care of me the same way my mom did. Or if there's a lack of a lack of respect between that um, male figure and his mother, that could trickle into that relationship. He may not see his wife with the same respect that he should. He should. He may not, um, you know, if mom, if his mom stayed home and catered to his father, he might expect the same thing from his wife. You know, so it's pretty, pretty accurate. I would say that with the couples that I've worked with, and even personally, I sometimes have those conversations with my husband when I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not mom. You have your mom to go to for that. I'm your wife. I We have a child. And there's things that need to be changed. It's a new dynamic. And, you know, I'm sure that at some point I have a son. And I'm like, I'm sure you'll always be my baby. But that's when we have to have that boundary. You know, my child is going to leave at some point, create his own life. And I don't want to be that mother-in-law who's interfering all the time and annoying his partner. But those are things, <laughs> those are things that you have to talk about. And, you know, it is true because I know that I look at my son and I say, in order for you to be able to respect women, you have to learn how to do that here in the house. You have to learn from what I'm setting, the example that I'm setting, the dynamic you see between me and your father, he's only four and a half, but it's like, if you don't see that at home, how will you be able to have those kind of relationships outside of that? Yes, that is so true. I remember reading recently that um, kids that grow up with parents that have close friendships are way more likely to be happy one day and have close friendships as well because it doesn't just apply to relationships. I no. think often we think, oh, you know, if, if mommy and daddy are a happy couple, then you're going to be, you know, happily married one day. Or if they got divorced, then you're going to get divorced. But I think it also applies to friendships. In my case, you know, my my children are literally growing up with their real life sisterhood from fine sisterhood. <laughs> and they're their uh, aunties and they're just, you know, my kids see them every day, really. Um, and like Esther wakes up in the morning and he asks for them. Um, Maria is like the fifth um, name that he learned to say. Maria, Maria. Um, <laughs> cute. And, and it's super cute. And Teresa has her nickname. Everyone calls her Tete. And, and so I just want to talk about how, you know, what can we do as parents, not just in relationships, but also with friendships or or coworkers or extended family, like I feel like there is so much more that we should consider how children learn how to have happy and healthy relationships, but also very strong and loyal ones, right? You know, it is important to model that. 
I feel that the more great relationships you have around your children, the better the example that they will see that, okay, I can have great relationships with people of the opposite sex or, you know, with our political climate, people of a different race, different ethnicities. It's important to just model these things. It's not just about the relationship. Yeah, like you said, friendships. Um, I don't have any siblings. So for me, it was important for my son to have a connection with those that I consider like family to me, um, really close friends of mine who also have become like aunts to him mm-hmm. because I don't have siblings. And my extended family is something that I want my son to have that close relationship with. So you put in the work, you know, you bring your son around those relationships. Um, you bring those people around so your children get acclimated to who's who to see that these people are at some point, maybe even like family, but just to see the strength in the relationship, to see that there's good communication. What does that even look like, right? If you don't model that, your child is not going to be able to have uh, good communication when he leaves your home and starts school or in his adult life. So you want to be able to uh, teach boundaries even in your relationships, even with family. You know, sometimes we get caught up with the idea of, well, you know, it's my sister or my brother or my parents, so I can't say no. So you find that person finding themselves guilty for saying no or going above and beyond to make that other person in that relationship happy. But then you're also modeling for your child what it's like to not have any boundaries. You're also modeling for your child what it's like to continue to maybe break yourself down to make others happy. So how do you model that? You implement boundaries. You talk about Um, saying, you know, it's important to say no to some people or it's important to also, if you're surrounded by people who may have toxic behaviors or are unhealthy and don't respect your boundaries, you also want to model to your child what it's like to disconnect from that person and not carry on that unhealthy relationship. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now, one more topic I would like to talk to you about is discuss is like we see a lot of posts about mom feeling guilty of leaving their kids after work um, or for work. And um, why do you think there's such a double standard? Because dad can like leave right away and then there's nothing. And then not only we like oh, not we, I'll just say as a <laughs> no we, but I see my as mom, women. I see my sister and everyone yeah. that they feel so guilty. But the dad is like, well, I'm out of here. And it's like a day after and, and it's not a double standard and people won't judge you. And I even see on different examples with my friends that even moms themselves sometimes judge working moms. So why do you think that is and why is it like that double standard in society for women to work? You know, that's that's been going on for such a long time and it's been ingrained to where and I've had this conversation with my husband. It's like your life never changed. Like we had a child, but yet you still have that independence, that life where you got up after he was born and still went to work. You still Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to have lunch with other adults and have or conversation. Or even during pregnancy. I mean, right? it starts during pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's that there's that double standard of, okay, you know, at your job, the moment you say you're pregnant and you're going to take maternity leave, it's like, oh, God, you know, now you put us in a bad place because who's going to do all this work? When are you expected back? There's the pressure of like, okay, you're going to have a child, but you're still supposed, you know, when are you coming back? Because this work is, this job is going to still be waiting for you if... 
that ends up happening. And so then that mom feels like she's got to be at every place, you know, like I have to spread myself thin. And yes, I'm going to be at home with my child, but I also have to take care of, of the work field. And so with men, you know, for many years, men just leave the house, you know, in other countries, they go out and do their work outside of the home. And then they'd come back and it was that expectation of she cooked, she cleaned, she took care of the kids, she took them to school, she picked them up. There was nothing else expected from him. He went to work, came back, and that was it. Yeah. And that continues to be the case now where, you know, sadly, also our system doesn't provide us mothers the perfect um, maternity leave and all the benefits that we need to be able to say, you know what, I don't have to go back to work right away. I want to be able to bond with my child rather than the pressure because... You know, financially, we if there's a, they're a single mom, well, they have to get back to work. How are they going to, you know, survive financially or they don't have the support to be able to stay with that child so they have to look for daycare? And there's that pressure and there's that constant pressure. And what happens is for those that don't work outside of the home, some of them have this idea of, ooh, why would you leave your child at such a young age? Like, you're selfish for thinking about your career. Um you shouldn't, you, you know, you need to take much time to bond with your child versus a scene that it's more of a necessity. Sometimes it's not, you know, like I want to leave my child at, you know, 12 weeks in a daycare. It's like I have to get to work because I don't have the support system or the financial resources. And then on the other end, when some women get to stay home with their child and not have to go back to work, other women say, oh, it must be nice to have that privilege or it must be nice that you have, you know, a husband or a partner that can afford to have you stay home. It's this whole idea of that married with children. Do you guys remember that show that it's like the Peg Bundy? She just stayed home and, eat, and ate bonbons. So that's and the that's idea <laughs> that you're staying home and doing that, eating chocolate and watching TV all day when, you know, whether you work at home or outside of the home, it's hard. And if you're doing both, that's a bigger challenge. Yeah, so. I was fortunate enough to experience both judgments. <laughs> yeah, I was here. a stay stay at home mom with Layla for uh, over two and a half years, and with Ezra for one and a half years. Um, and for us, that was a decision that we made while I was pregnant. I was like, listen. This country, your country, doesn't provide uh, maternity leave. My country does, paid for two years. Nice. So your choice, however, I'm going to stay at home. Um, and luckily, like, the father of my children was also like, no, like, yes, please, that's important. And we both agreed that for both of us, <clears throat> you know, things like breastfeeding and co-sleeping, like, we agreed on all of those things that Perfect. was just very important for us. But I have experienced that people saying... Oh, that must be nice, you know, right. that you can just stay at home. Or, oh, how is it for him? Like feeling bad for him for you have all the burden of having to go to work and that provide. That is very true. That and very I was true. like, geez, really? Like, okay, we're here in your country. Um, I am far away from my language, my culture, my family, my absolutely everything. Um, and at home raising a child and doing household, paying the bills, like managing everything. Because exactly. that's usually what stay-at-home moms do. They manage everything. Absolutely. And people don't appreciate that. They're like, no. oh, you just get to stay at home while the burden is on him. And then I got very fortunate to also get judged once I started working that um, I just got asked yesterday by someone, so your kids are in daycare all day? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I have a job, so... Yes. Oh, wow. 
And I could tell how they caught themselves to be like, don't show judgment right now. And I was like, too late. Right? I, I could see it. feel it and I could <laughs> yes. see it. And I'm like, I stayed home for so many years. And I did the best I could. And even then, the kids went to daycare part-time at the beginning. And even still now, like, um, a, a lot of times I'm like, team, can we finish early? I want to get my kids and I need to snuggle with them. Um, but yeah, I have experienced both sides. So I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, I just feel like a lot of times you don't get it until you have been there. Absolutely. I do want to also admit that probably I would have been one of those women that judges others. Absolutely. I was just a very young mom. So none of my friends had kids. So there was no, like, I didn't experience, like, my friend becoming a mom and how that feels like. But I'm sure I would have probably also had my own judgments in my head because you don't know until, until oh, you actually Oh, absolutely. Let's... Absolutely. I remember I made some stupid comments before I had my son when I had uh, maybe a friend or two. Because, true, I didn't have a lot of friends that had kids. But there was, like, maybe some mutual friends that had a child before um, I did. And I remember sitting there telling my husband, oh, I'm not going to do that. Or we're not going to do that. And now we sit there and laugh at both of us, laugh <laughs> at each other. And we're like, remember when we said that stupid comment about how we weren't going to do that? And I'm like, wow, that just came back and bit us, really. Because, yeah, you have no clue. Like, you're you're just assuming you're making a, a quick judgment. Or because of what we think we're going to do based off the way we were raised. Or the expectations we place on ourselves that this is how I'm going to be as a parent. And it's like, wow, you have no clue. You know, like you said, you don't know what's your, what it's going to be like until you're in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done it. We, we know. I feel like if you're a parent and you say you've never judged, you're full of it. Yeah. You know, because A, you've been judged as a parent, but we've also done it too. Like, let's keep it real. I know that I've made quick judgments sometimes when I see moms at the park. And I know, I know I've also had them done with me. Yeah. And I have felt them. And that's why you have to be aware and just take responsibility and say, like, okay, yeah, I shouldn't have said that or I could have approached that situation differently. And that's why now I'm like, it's important that if you approach, if you go to the park with your kids and you see other moms, just smile. Yes. If the other mom doesn't smile back at you, don't take it personal. Don't be quick to say, oh, well, look at her. She didn't smile because you don't know what she's going through. You know, you don't know if she just had a severe breakdown and she barely managed to get her kids to the park and just need some fresh air. Hey, I know I've been on the other end of that where yeah. maybe someone smiled at me and I probably looked pissed as hell. <laughs> and they were like, wow, I'm not talking to her. And it's like, but we've all been there. So let's just not judge. Let's just give someone a warm smile. If they reciprocate it, wonderful. That may even lead to a conversation. You know, once your kids start playing together or... It just feels good to know that maybe that mom just needed to see that smile on the other end. Yeah, I remember I posted in Fine Sisterhood where a mom was posting. I just got um, called out by another mom at the playground for being on my phone. And I was literally on my phone posting on Fine Sisterhood that I feel like the shittiest mom of all today. And I've now I that. feel even shittier. I've seen that. Yet I'm still posting here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, amen, sister. I have been there and done that. Oh, yeah. And especially the mom on the phone thing because I'm like I am not ever on the phone at the playground with my kids watching Netflix I am usually coordinating things for them 
or taking photos of them or sending photos of them to my family all over the world. Um, or I might just be there for my own sanity, reading a mommy blog while my kid has the fifth meltdown to just cool my, myself absolutely, down. Absolutely. And that is actually, I, I think I have one last question that we see a lot um, on the app posted that is, moms losing their cool. And I think a lot of times, you know, we have memes on the internet and we all make fun of it. But it's the reality that like, you know, every everyone that has a toddler in their life probably knows that there are meltdowns, how hard it is. Yeah. And that sometimes you lose your cool. Whether that's that you're yelling at them or you like start to cry out of anger and frustration or you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Absolutely. You know, you need to stop. And I think this, you need to stop, is something that every mom has said probably several times a day. What do you, what, what coping mechanism do you think is the best and the healthiest for parents in those moments when you feel like you're about to snap and there is no one else around you? There is no one that you can just say, hey, can you take the kids? I need to go out. Because most, most parents don't have that. How do you in that moment respond and calm yourself down to be the parent that your child needs you to be in that moment? Look, it takes a lot of work because I've been there. And you, like you said, I've cried, I've yelled, and I've broken down in front of him at some point where we're both crying in the car. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we both need a hug. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. But you know what? Knowing that um, if he's not calm, like knowing that if he's in that chaotic moment and responding chaotic is only going to create more chaos, this is where the work comes in. And you. this is where the self-talk really helps, where it's like, okay, mom. I need to keep it cool because the only way he's going to calm down is if I model being cool. If I respond the same way, it's just going to, you know, it's like throwing more wood in the fire, right? Mm -hmm. It's just going to escalate. So this is where usually I practice, Susanna, breathe, calm down right now. As I'm talking to him, Isaac, please calm down. I feel you. I hear you. I understand you're upset. Um... You know, and I realize that sometimes maybe even talking to him can be escalating it more. So what I'll say are things like, Isaac, I am going to give you the space to have, you know, to feel what you're feeling right now. I, I'm right here, right in front of you. Know that I'm here to comfort you with what you need. And just maybe taking a few steps back to allow them. And trust me, this is where it might feel like you're being judged if you're at the park and someone else is looking at you. Um, my son has tantrumed at Target and I've literally just picked him up and gone to the car. And like, I've literally flown out of Target <laughs> with a screaming toddler and we'll sit in the car and I'm like, sweetie, I'm standing outside. I'm giving you your space to feel what's going on. And in that process, I'm standing outside of the car. I'm cursing up a storm in my head and I'm like, okay, Susie, calm down. This is going to pass. This is going to pass. Just don't respond the same way that, um, you may have before or that, um, he's thinking you are going to respond that way because you want to be able to calm the behavior, not escalate it more. It's challenging because trust me, if you're in that moment, you're trying, you're like, calm down, please stop. And I know as an adult, when I'm upset and someone's telling me to calm down, makes you more mad, right? <laughs> it's like, that's the last no. thing that's going to happen. But then I realized, okay, I'm a 39 year old woman and I know how to calm down. And it's not that you telling me to calm down is going to help me. It's just that maybe right now, let me have this moment to feel what I'm feeling and then we can talk about it. So then I'm like, so my four-year-old needs to have this moment to feel whatever he's feeling because he can't communicate it as well to me. 
and I'm just going to have to be the adult and the bigger person and stand back and let him have it. And for the most part, when I give him that space, he then... I've taught him like breathing techniques. So he'll sit there and he goes, you know, and he puts his hands together and he like tries to like show me that he's meditating. And I'm like, great job. And I'm like, I'm practicing it too because I need to bring it down. I'll offer water. And then it's like, okay, now we can talk about it. What was happening? But I mean, it's it's work. It's hard. It's work. It's hard and it's a lot of work. And that in itself can drain a parent. For like yeah. the rest of the day, right? Like that. Can oh, that's be... how I feel in the yeah. morning, and I'm like, I'm already done with the day. We yeah. got up at like five thirty, <laughs> and at nine, when my team shows up, I'm like, I'm done with the day, right? right? I'm drained and yeah. emotionally exhausted. Absolutely. In my case, I have Layla. Layla says to Estra, she says, Estra, remember to breathe, and then he goes, <sighs> and she's like, No, breathe more calmly, <laughs> and it's the cutest thing, and that <laughs> helps me it? calm down. Yes. Because then I'm like, my heart is melting, Absolutely. and I'm like. I forgot what I was mad about. This is so cute. I need to take a photo. <laughs> it's true. When I see my son, you know, pretending to do like a yoga pose yes, as he's standing. That too. With, and I'm just like, there's nothing to be mad about. Yes, he just needed a like space. A and, then, and then I just want to hug him. You know, then I could see that the tears are more of, mommy, I need you. Yes. And I'm exhausted from all this crying versus no. You know, so then it's when I offer the hug and we embrace and yeah, I shed tears too. And I'm like, oh yeah, my God. Oh my God. This so is hard. how can our listeners find you if they want more of all of those conversations, including myself? How can we find you? So my practice is in Long Beach and I am on Instagram as Wellness Para La Mama. I have a Facebook page as well, Wellness Para La Mama. My website is www.wellnessparalamama.com. And really, I share as much as possible on Instagram and Facebook. I have support groups for moms. I do a lot of work with pregnant moms just to prepare them with this conversation. I always tell pregnant women, it's not to scare you. It's just to give you a sense of what to be aware of. Because I read this article yesterday and I thought, this is so perfect. We're so concerned about like the baby shower, right? Mm -hmm. What are we going to give the baby? And I'm like, what about doing... Something for the mom where she's like, well, let me think about that postpartum, you know, care. Yeah. What's what's going to happen then? Who's going to come help me with the baby? Who's going to take care of the baby for me to shower, for me to eat, for me to pee? Yeah. Um, and I read me that article. Yeah. And I read that article and I'm like, what do we usually say? No, we're fine. I don't need anything. I don't need anything because we're so conditioned to not ask for help. Um so I taught, you know, I have a support groups for pregnant women. I have support groups for women, um, mothers who already have like infants and are going through those trenches of uh, either postpartum depression or anxiety. And, you know, just a lot of education and awareness um, online and teaching uh, moms that it's okay to ask for help. I'm also a support coordinator for Postpa Postpartum Support International. Okay. And so basically what that means, I they reach out to me either from LA County or Orange County. And if they're not able to um, come see me for whatever reason, then my goal is to be able to see what resources are out there for them in their area and connect them with someone so they're not... Um, either doing it alone or feeling like they haven't found anyone. So Okay. Uh, 
Well, thank you so much for being here thank today. We're going to also put up all of the resources so that um, our listeners can find you and your resources. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Um, taking and notes for everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maria is taking notes. She's yeah, like, all right, <laughs> let's go home and practice making babies. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, you just reach out to me, Maria. <laughs> I got you. You'll be my first call. I got Susanna. This is Susanna. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. And also thank you to our listeners. This is the Find Sisterhood podcast on Spoken Truth. And for those of you who haven't already, you can download the Find Sisterhood app for free in the App Store, Google Play Store, in any country as far as I know. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating, please. Have a great day. Bye. 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 <laughs>